I'm Donna Peters, and this is season three of the award-winning Me Sweet podcast. The Me Suite is a community of career-driven, life-minded professionals sharing our stories, sharing what it means to lead our lives with purpose, planning, and power. What I call leading with a Me Suite mindset. Let's get in there. Emily when she was right out of undergrad as a math major. She's the only female math major I had ever met. And I thought, I am so glad that I got my job when I did because I wouldn't have gotten the offer if I had been interviewing against her. She later went on to get a Wharton MBA and has been flourishing in a high-profile career at one of the most prestigious firms in the world as a lead in global diversity recruiting. And at the same time, She's been nurturing a loving family with her wife and three kids who may even be featured in this episode today because they're working from home on a snow day. Emily even slipped two, count them, two six-month sabbaticals in there where she went long-distance hiking. Her path, on a sheet of paper anyway, looks like a tangle of tangents to some, but it really sounds like the most grounded when you hear the heart that tells this story. So I'm really happy to reconnect and welcome Emily McNabb to the Me Suite. Oh, thanks so much, Donna. Thanks for having me. It's great to catch up. All right. So we, we just need for the next 20 or so minutes to to keep it together with <laughs> with all you have going on today while we're recording. <laughs> I think we can do it. All right. I know you can. So you know that we start in the Me Suite with core values. Could we start there with uh, what are your core values and how do they drive the decisions that you make? Sure. My core values are community, meaningful work, and authenticity. Mm. And to me, my path sometimes feels very random, to be honest. But essentially, every decision I make comes back to, to recentering around those three. And I'm happy to talk at length about any of them, but the one I really want to hone in on a bit mm. is the potentially unobvious one, which is authenticity. Ooh, say more about that. What do you mean unobvious? Today, you know me, all my colleagues know me as a, a very proud queer woman with a wonderful wife and family. And I'm one of those moms that shows, shows pictures every chance I can get. Yeah. Early in my journey, there were, I, I would call them dark times sometimes where I felt mm-hmm. like I needed to hide who I was because yeah. of, I, I don't know, fear of lack of acceptance or, or something like that. And I think in those times or with those people, relationships suffer if you're not able to share joy or if you're not able to share pain. Mm. And I think a significant part of my energy and my mind share was devoted to essentially masking myself. So when I think about, you know, who I am today, it seems obvious, but I can't possibly be my best self if I'm not allowed to be myself or I feel like I can't fully be myself. And you can't bring your best ideas to the table. You, you can't be the best teammate. And certainly I can't be the best leader. Mm. So I think that's, that's why authenticity is so important to me. And it, I don't choose situations or careers or communities that dampen or threaten that. Wow. Well, we're not in the same room, obviously, but I have, <laughs> I have chill bumps up and down my arms. I really appreciate you sharing that. And it's funny as in odd, not funny as in humorous, It's funny that you brought this up because I was reflecting on when I knew you. I think we calculated it was the last time I saw you was at least over 10 years ago. 
And when we were working together, I don't remember a single conversation that we would have ever had in the workplace about your personal life, about you being a queer woman. It wasn't part of our vocabulary. And I think it's because we weren't in a work environment and I wasn't being a leader at the time that nurtured those types of conversations in the work environment. So I had reflected on that before we were getting together today, right, of I've always thought of you, I always thought of us as close in a way, close in a work environment, close in a work respect kind of way, where I felt I could run into you on any corner in any country and pick up a conversation like I saw you yesterday. <laughs> I, I totally feel the same way. <laughs> well, good, good. I, that that, that uh, warms me, that melts me. However, that relationship that we had was missing one of the most critical components. Right? Because like you just said, you and I weren't having conversations about your full person. So I, I'm, I'm saddened by that. I don't know. Do I apologize? I don't know. I, I just no. know I'm saddened by it. I'm not saddened by that. I, th- I think it took me a while to feel comfortable and it took yeah. role models and being able to see myself and others, uh, which is why I think it's so important for me to share my story when, when, when working with people. I try yeah. to be as transparent as possible with with everything going on in my life whether it's you know like we mentioned today the, the snow day with with three kids running around <laughs> in the background um yeah. to, to sort of hopefully inspire others to feel like they can be their full selves too even if that means like a hot mess mom sometimes <laughs> yeah so we are going to pivot although completely related to community meaningful work and authenticity I wanted to pivot over to the comment that I made about your resume looking like a tangle of tangents. It isn't the most traditional career path anyone has ever seen. Uh, Mine isn't either, as you may recall. So I really (laughs) do love that about you. I wanted to ask how planful have you been along the way thinking about the major I'm going to have the work I'm going to do, I'm going to fit two six-month sabbaticals in here and go on these crazy hikes. How much of this is you figuring it out four months in advance versus you having like a three to five-year plan? Oh, wow. Um, I think four months in advance is probably too generous. A lot of it is figuring it out as I go and as opportunities arise. Okay. Meaningful work is incredibly important to me. And so... Mm. To, to me, more important than the industry is that I feel like I'm working on something that makes a difference. Okay. And so I don't have, I don't know where I'm going to be in, in the next 10 years. or I don't have an, an end goal for here's what I want my career to, to sort of culminate in. It's more, do I feel like what I'm working on is meaningful and that I can make a meaningful, unique contribution in that role? Mm. And so I think it's less about... <laughs> the end goal and more about am I making impact in what I'm doing in the moment. Yeah. And you were such a successful person in the career when I knew you. I, I think every everywhere you go, you're adding value. How do you wake up one day and say, well, I'm going to stop doing that meaningful work and I'm going to take six months sabbatical when your career was progressing so rapidly? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Part of me has never understood the rush. There's a, we have so much, I mean, in some ways so much, in some ways so little, but I, I don't know, I, I don't really see the rush to the, the next year or the next level mm. when, 
when I feel like there's opportunities to sort of explore and grow it in different ways um, mm-hmm. and come back to it. I could tell you a spin a story of this epic dream I had to, to hike from Mexico to Canada and how I <laughs> planned for it. But what, what really happened, if you want to know, <laughs> please, my girlfriend at the time, who's, who's now my wife, was a long distance hiker. She had hiked the Appalachian Trail and was going to hike the Pacific Crest Trail. Mm-hmm. I had never even slept outside before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I thought the, I thought it was super cool idea. Um, mm-hmm. I thought she was super cool. And I, I wanted to try something big. And I, I love adventure, but I'm not a risk taker, mm-hmm. which are at odds with each other. And so, I mean... Honestly, it's probably one of the reasons I I, I chose to be with her is because I, I want to be a risk taker, but on my own, I'm, I'm just not. Yeah. And so it was sort of an opportunity to try something new in a, in a safe place. And I structurally created the sabbatical to limit risk. So I knew I wanted to go back to school. I knew I wanted to go to business school. Mm. And so whether or not we made it to Canada, <laughs> whether or not I liked or hated the hike or, or stopped halfway through... I knew I had something to come. I knew what I was coming back to. And that for me allowed me to enjoy it. Oh yeah. In a, in a way that didn't make me anxious. Mm-hmm. And for the, the, the next hike, we did something very similar. I was fortunate enough to be able to defer my job after business school and ask for a, a later start date. Mm. <laughs> and so I sort of structurally made it safe for me. <laughs> and I know that it's a privilege and it's not always an option. Um, but I try to create those parameters when I can to to have adventures that are comfortable for me. <laughs> well, oh, I love everything about this. I want to start with just one. One was the thing you said that you you asked for an extension of that start date. There are lots of people, even in my coaching practice, that really struggle even asking. And I often challenge them to think to themselves, well, what's the worst that can happen if you ask? <laughs> Right? I was about yeah. As soon as you said that, I was about to say, "Mom always, mom always told me, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're yeah. not going to say, oh, you don't have an offer anymore. They're going to say, no, you need to start this time because we have right. business needs. And, and if that yeah. was the case, I would have started that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, so I love you modeling that example of just ask, what's the worst that can happen? And I think my new favorite. Uh, oh, I just it was so beautiful the way you said. I've never really understood what's the rush. Oh my goodness, that's your, you need your own show. <laughs> I just love it. I do, I don't know if I said this already, but I, I, I recognize the privilege in this, right? Like uh-huh. if you need an income for that, like there, right. there, are re- there are some reasons and times in your life where there, there, is, a, there is a rush. But to me, for me to get to the next level I, or get, mm-hmm. get to the next, to graduate with a class that's a year earlier, I just, right. in those situations, I don't see the rush. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I pre- I appreciate that distinction, and and that's what I had meant was w- when you said I I never understood the rush. It's why do I have to get promoted as fast as possible? You know, leaving destruction in my wake, <laughs> right? <laughs> Whether destruction is you you weren't taking care of your physical health or your mental health or the health of your relationships, et cetera. So Emily, you've made me think about something when you mesmerized me with this phrase of you never really understood what was the rush. There's this other thing that we're hearing, especially women in the business place from the Sheryl Sandberg book, Lean In. You know, Lean in and go get what you want. Don't put the brakes on. How do you reconcile your comment that you never understood the rush with this other noise in our heads, which is lean in? Yeah, I, I think the, the key to what you said there was lean in and get what you want. Okay. And so I think it's 
you're solving for what you want. And if what you want is the fastest path to whatever that promotion is, mm-hmm. then I think there's your answer and, the, and there's the, the rush. I think my, my goals are a little different. Like I, I'm, I'm solving yeah. for meaningful, meaningful work. And in that moment with the sabbaticals, I, I'm solving for devoting more time to a relationship that really matters to me. Yeah. And trying to tackle a different challenge totally outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. Which was also, I think, meaningful for my self-confidence um, mm-hmm. and and a meaningful experience in my my life. But it it's outside of a laser focus of what my career is. I admire that you have come into this um, at such a young age and that you're you're just grounded in who you are and what you need. It's just so impressive. So I'm I'm a I'm a McNabb fan. (laughs) (laughs) Now um, I asked before about do you have the three to five year plan? Is there anything that you and your wife do in your life where you do, like you sit down every January and you think about what you want to accomplish together that year? How much structure, because you're obviously a business person, you're a Wharton MBA, how much business structure type things do you put into the way that you're running your own life? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I I think there are a few things. One of the things that we do and that's really important to me is to actively choose what I'm doing versus being there because of inertia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do sit down every, it's not quite as, as calendared as, as every year, but it probably ends up being, you know, a few times a year yeah. to have a discussion of, do we both want to be where we are right now uh-huh. or should we make a change? So I think one of, one of my fears would be just being somewhere because, it feels safe and easy mm-hmm. versus because I feel like I'm actually making a difference or growing or, you know, what, whatever goal I'm trying to achieve. Wow. And so is this something that you did for 2021? Uh, it is something we did for, for 2021. And mm-hmm. um, you mentioned right, right now I'm um, leading the women's and diversity recruiting at, at my company. And it's to, to me, especially given the time we're in right now, yeah. that's, there's so much, potential impact there. And I feel like to to me, it's incredibly meaningful. And Mm so I'm, I'm energized by that and motivated by that. And I'm happy to be here. Oh yeah. So in your zone. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. (laughs) Now you mentioned that you had never slept outside before you went on that first long distance hike. (laughs) Um, So that's that's a pretty vivid image. What about that first hike, the first six months? And I keep calling it a hike. Like you, you went to the woods behind your house so I, I, I need you to embellish exactly what this really was. What was this trip? Where, where did you hike from and to and how long did it take? Yeah, um, that one was the Pacific Crest Trail. Mm-hmm. It runs through the center of uh, California, Oregon, and Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, most people hike south to north, so the, the Mexican-U.S. border to the Canadian-U.S. border. You may be familiar with it from a book called Wild. Yes. Um, that, that's probably where it's uh-huh. <laughs> fame comes from. Yeah, it was... It was crazy. You, you, at some points, you're you're in the desert, you're in the Mojave Desert for part of it, and then you hit the you're in you're in the Sierras and the Cascades, and it, it was beautiful to see just how diverse our uh, country is. Uh, and I think there's just something about 
walking through those transitions to really see not just the extremes, but how the earth and landscape evolves, like how the desert turns into the mountains. It was absolutely gorgeous. I don't, I don't think, um, I definitely can't say I enjoyed every day of it. There were many, (laughs) many days where I was like, why am I here? But I think that's part of what, what kept me there is I, Mm. I don't know. It was something that I wasn't able to even imagine before. And there's something nice that being able to complete it, like literally step by step. Uh Um, I, I, I draw a lot of strength from that now, like thinking back that I was able to do that. I can, I can do whatever this challenge at work is or at home. Exactly. So uh, you're, you're, I'm going to blow your mind here. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I moved from a house that I had lived in for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of cleansing that needed to happen yeah. uh, and throwing out boxes before the movers came. I'm sure. I found a postcard that you had mailed me from that hike. No way. Yes. <laughs> And you probably don't even remember writing it, but pretend that you do. (laughs) So, Emily, we've talked a a lot about all the different experiences that you've had, whether they are adventures or whether they are nurturing your family and relationships and then this very successful career path that you have had. When you were first getting out of undergrad, were you the type of person who knew what you wanted out of a career? Or were you more the type of person that kind of follows the people and the mentors? It's such, it's such a good question. I think I'm the type of person that thought I knew what I wanted out mm. of a career. Okay. As you mentioned, I, I majored in math. And you said you'd never met any other women who majored in math. But I went to a um, seven sister school. So you can meet many if you, if you visit any of the seven sister school. We're all women. Um, <laughs> well, we're all they, identify as women. <laughs> if, they, if they're like you, I want to go meet all of them. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty special. Um, and I was so fortunate to be in the classroom with a bunch of awesome women in mathematics. Mm-hmm. It just felt so normal. Right. But even as a kid, I, I always loved math. One of my first like really clear memories is actually from kindergarten. And um, I remember just being entranced by, by the idea of symmetry and just playing with these wooden pattern blocks every chance I could get. I, I can uh-huh. still picture where they were in the shell. So math was an easy choice for me. It was, mm-hmm. it was fun. And I was fortunate enough to have the most amazing advisor for my master's um, in mathematics, uh, R- Rhonda Hughes, who was challenging and supportive and, and just a, a joy to work with. And so I thought it was pretty clear, like, why not become a mathematician? Yeah. And I had the opportunity to spend some time one summer um, at the Institute for Advanced Study. And I was so <laughs> excited to get a glimpse of what it would be like to, to be a mathematician. And I was um, so shocked at how miserable I was. <laughs> um, so I, I thought maybe that's what I wanted, but it was just not for me. Yeah, I, I realized I needed a different type of community than mathematics provides. I need, I needed a team sport. Um, I think thinking mm. about theorems a- alone just wasn't um, energizing for me. And yeah. I had a roommate there who's super close friend with me and she loved it. And it just, I was kind of sad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think it took that experience to just learn what I needed from, I guess, from the, from the social side of a, of a job as well. And I, I pivoted from there. Um, And so went in 
to consulting, which is a, a great team sport and a, a great place to go, especially if you don't know what you want to do. Yeah. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure what industry or, or function or I didn't even know what industries or functions existed in, in some ways. So landed there. Yeah. And I just realized I underclubbed you. I think I called you a math major, but you ended up continuing. You doubled down and got your master's in math. <laughs> so, I really like math. <laughs> yeah. So, so sorry about that. No, no, not yeah. at all. I forgot about that. So, you you know, in, in the Me Suite, we like to leave people with aspirational but practical advice. And I would love to ask of all these experiences that you've had and the role model that you want to be for, you're, you're very influential to a lot of people who are looking at you and your definition of community and meaningful work and authenticity. Uh, you're, you're in a very, you're in an important position of influence right now. What advice do you have for our listeners about experiences that have shaped you and changed you? What what role model do you want to leave? Yeah, we, we talked about the trail earlier, and I think we, we talked about it a bit as like an individual achievement. I think what I learned there was all around community and support, mm-hmm. and that in any situation you can create a community and you can and you can support others. I don't think I would have made it half half the way. I, I don't think I'd make it the first day, honestly, without the trail community. Mm. And it, you don't see people out there all the time, but there's something in the hiking world, we call it trail angel. I'm, I'm not sure if you've heard this term. No, I haven't. A trail angel can be anyone from, from someone who leaves clean water in the desert to someone who there's a lot of people who live near the trail allow hikers to ship their food and resupply to their house. So you, instead of, so you, you only need to hike a few miles off the trail to pick up a resupply. And it, it's incredibly helpful to be able to, you know, go and get more food, right? It's a, you, you couldn't keep hiking. I, I can't, I can only carry so much food. I, I couldn't hike longer distances without being able to have this support. Mm-hmm. There's even, this, this is real. There are, there are trail angels, and I, I couldn't imagine this before the trail, who let dirty, tired, long-distance hikers shower in their showers, sleep in their homes, do uh-huh. laundry, share stories, share a hot meal. Uh-huh. And when you're like four months from, from Canada questioning why you're doing this, and if you can even do that, that sort of support is is such a gift. And it's, yeah. it's just so wonderful to to meet people that are don't even know you but are are rooting for you and so i am i'm in no way as generous as any of these trail angels i, I met that it's so such a humbling experience but in ways that i can I, I try to create community and and find pockets of community to support others and support their goals and it's just a humbling experience to meet any of these individuals who literally are there to be your cheerleaders and your support and open their homes when they've never even met you. Yeah. And it's, I don't, I don't know. I I just didn't, I, I thought we'd be out there like alone hiking this hike, but in no way were we ever alone. Yeah. It's almost a challenge to me. I'm taking the challenge and maybe to the listeners too, of be a trail angel. (laughs) Yeah. Be a, yeah. Be a trail angel. I think about the trail angels all the time, but I feel like I should, uh, Write that on on my desk. Yeah, be a trail angel today. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be in a in a big way, but just knowing that that someone's there and offering 
what they can and and willing to listen and, and talk is it's huge. It's, it's so humbling. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And I, you used the word symmetry before, you know, that you loved math. You got into math because you've loved symmetry. I wish that you could see you as I see you because (laughs) I'm really seeing this whole theme of symmetry just in everything that you have now built around yourself in your life and the balance. And so I, I appreciate you being so vulnerable and transparent and sharing it with everyone. And uh, you're, you're making a difference and it's wonderful to have had an excuse to reconnect with you. This is Emily McNabb, everybody. Thanks so much, Donna, for having me. It's always wonderful to catch up. Thank you for joining us in the Me Suite. For executive and career coaching services, contact me, Donna Peters, at themesuite.com, LinkedIn, and Twitter. The website is the dash me-suite.com. Suite is spelled like executive suite. And if you like what you're hearing, give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps us continue to shine a mic on more amazing people.